Until he takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers with convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team. You're always close to the care that you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. Soy Tomás y estás escuchando Some of the Loons. afternoon or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. I'm Steve McPherson, and it's great to once again be joined by play-by-play commentator and all-around bon vivant Cal Williams. Cal, one thing I miss about being in the office is that even if we aren't doing Sound of the Loons, uh, you know, sort of regularly or, or whatever, I will still see you around so we can sort of chat and, and catch up. But now this is sort of like Sound of the Loons is like our chance to to see each other. So I feel like I haven't seen you in like a month. Uh, how, how have things been? It's getting warm here in Minnesota, which is lovely. I don't want to count my chickens before they've hatched because I know March technically is when we get the most snow, but we're looking at fifties coming up here. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah. It's um, otherworldly really considering what we've been um, used to over the course of the last couple of, of months and weeks, isn't it? Um, I uh, and, and by the way, I think uh, my wife and I were talking about this the other day. We think we are becoming proper Minnesotans now because um, it was what was it, 29 degrees the other day, um, or 39 degrees? So 39 degrees, um, which I believe is something like minus one in Celsius. And we're walking around without a jacket, and I thought, oh, this is this isn't cold, no problem at all. <laughs> Minnesota has changed us big time um, because. In a previous life, Steve, I would have had several layers on going, it's a bit cold, isn't it, you know? And um, that's not the case anymore. So, no, it's it's nice um, that it's only going to hopefully get warmer. I'm sure we're due one more dump of snow somewhere, just because it's what happens in the Twin Cities. But, um, no, it's it, it's nice to uh, get back to starting to, to plan things. Um, meetings are starting to happen. Um, things are going on the schedule, in the calendar. Um, it feels like we are about to embark on another season, which is exactly what we're about to do, uh, which is great because I must admit at one stage, Steve, I wasn't entirely sure this would happen. So um, it's really good to, to have some some dates in the calendar and uh, looking forward to the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I think we were probably all hoping, Cal, that, that this would be more normal than it is right now. Like it's still a little odd, obviously, and we're still constrained by a lot of um, – sort of regulations and considerations for for covid and you know we're not going to start the season with with fans or anything like that but there's at least hope that you know that it's a possibility uh uh, somewhere along the line in this season um and you know this isn't adjusting the season midway through where we had the mls's back tournament and then you know in some area like you know had some some teams could play at home other teams you know like toronto had to leave canada uh to come and play in hartford so there's a little it feels like we're at least a little bit ready for it uh coming around this time and i feel you on that real minnesotan thing um i feel like i adapted to it a while ago but my kids are diehard Minnesotans, you know, born and raised here. And uh, as soon as it was like more than 35 degrees out, like they were outside playing in like t-shirts 
you know, like they were wearing like pants, but they had gone out with coats, but they take them off because they're just like, it's so nice out. And I'm like, this is this is the Minnesota lifestyle is is when it hits 40, you put on the shorts uh, and 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 get out there. I'm looking forward to it being warm enough to, you know, we we did some winter fires and stuff like that, um, which is great. But let's be honest, after a while, you're like, it's just cold out. I can't be out there when it's that cold, even if there's a fire going. So sort of like the, the backyard fire and, you know, cooking and getting back into the, the smoker and working on stuff like that, I think, uh, I think is going to be welcome um, for everybody. Everybody gets, gets sick of this. And especially this year with everybody sort of trapped inside. Here's my other question for you. Um, a lifestyle question. Have you heard of intermittent fasting? Um, I don't think so. Go on, enlighten me. Okay. Um, I had a friend who, who got into this a little bit and, uh, I've, I've tried it out sort of lightly the last couple of weeks. Uh, the idea being that you, uh, sort of, you take 24 hours to not eat every once in a while. Um, so like two days a week, uh, you would eat dinner the previous night and then just, uh, not eat anything the rest of the night, go to sleep, wake up, not eat breakfast, not eat lunch, and then eat dinner again the next night. Um, and I've done it a couple times. And I have to say, like, I, I kind of liked it. Uh, because as probably a lot of people uh, it, over the course of this pandemic, I feel like I'm never hungry anymore. Uh, I work in my house, and I'm in my house all the time. And so it's like I eat breakfast. And then mid morning, I, I get a little something and then I eat lunch. And then mid afternoon, I get a little something. like I just don't. <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm so close to all the food that's in my house. Um, and so this has been kind of a nice way to sort of say, uh, you know, mentally to be like, I'm hungry. That's cool. Like, just roll with it. Um, I kind of like it. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to keep it up. Um, but it, it seems like not a bad idea in an age and era where everything is just easily at hand to sort of choose to deny yourself a little bit of something to remind yourself what what it feels like. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, Steve, I've gone the complete opposite and I'm consistently snacking. <laughs> um, which is just so bad it's so bad it's bad for the waistline it's bad for health in general um and, and i'm sure i'm not the only one it's just it's bad um yeah. you, know, you just open the fridge just because and oh there's a bit of cheese okay great you know i make about 54 cups of tea a day i have way too much coffee i just, this this pandemic has really screwed things up for me in terms of health um you know, the wife and I, now that gyms are back open, we're going regularly again, which is great. Um, but in terms of, of healthy eating, it's gone completely out the window. So um, if anybody has any advice on how to steer away from snacking, I'm all ears. <laughs> I'll, I'll say, you know, like pick a day, give this fasting thing a try, eat your dinner, and then just like take the next day off. I still drink coffee, a lot of water. So stay hydrated. I drink black tea. I'm drinking black chai tea right now. Um, you know, so you drink that, you know, if, if, if you get to like four o'clock and you can eat a piece of fruit or something like that, I think that's fine. Um, but I, I do think it helps like, and then next day I feel a little more reset. And then when I'm like, when I read, when I think about snacking, I'm kind of like, nah, I don't really need it. You know? So that's, that's one thing. Um, you know, there's a lot of, it's, it's going to be nice once it gets nice outside again, to be able to get outside and do some stuff. Um, you know, that activity will certainly help. Um, but, you know, we're all probably looking at the quarantine 15 or so at this point. So, um, you know, and players coming back have had to stay in, in shape. We'll, we'll just uh, transition right into that. Um, oh, before we do that, I did want to mention 
uh, we had a great series of podcasts for uh, sort of Black History Month uh, with a bunch of great guests. So if you haven't checked those out, go back and check them out. Um, you know, it's I feel a mixed set of things because it's great to do those. And then I also feel like we have to do this more because it shouldn't just happen in February. So hopefully we can have Guys like Jeremy Sutherland and Justin Sutherland back, Myron Metcalf, uh, who's a sports writer, and then Henry Lake, who's a, a sports uh, radio host, um, all came on and talked with. We had DeCorey Hayes on also in Dane St. Clair, and it was great. The, the conversations were fantastic. This is now Women's History Month. We're going to have a special uh, Sound of the Loons coming uh, shortly with Kendra D. St. Aubin and some special guests. I think we're putting out a release about Women's History Month, so I'm not going to spoil anything about you know who who all is around or anything like that, but, uh, but it's going to be a really good... I, I've heard... I talked to Kendra, and she said it was a really great roundtable that she had, so uh, looking forward forward to that um all right now let's talk about let's talk about signings this is one thing that we have missed you know it's been a little bit of a slow window uh for mls overall um it, it seems like has been the general tenor if you go on mls uh soccer.com talking about just maybe teams are waiting for the summer window um in a lot of cases maybe people don't understand that the summer window is actually often better for teams looking for big name talent because it lines up better with when other leagues are, are out of, out of season. Um, a lot of times this, this window that comes before MLS starts is a little more depth, a little more, I mean, you, there's occasionally the big, you know, signing, but it's, it's a little more rounding out rosters. And then if there's a big move to happen, it might happen in, in mid season. Again, we saw Emmanuel Reynoso came, come to Minnesota United midway through the season last year. Um, so let's start with uh, most recently Juan Agadello, uh, 28 years old, played for New England Revolution, most recently for Inter Miami. Um, it seems like he's been around forever, but as you know, as Adrian Heath reminded us, just just 28, uh, you know, a, a forward, uh, which is a position that obviously Minnesota, it's no secret, is is looking for for help in. Um, so far, having only Foster Langsdorf before this this signing as a forward. Um, Cal, what can you tell us about Juan Agadello and, and your sense of what he'll bring to the Loons? A really smart signing. It's about as um, good of a depth piece that you can bring in, in my opinion, because his experience uh, is not too old uh, at all. He's in a prime age at the age of 28, as you mentioned, Steve. Um, it, it, it's a really good depth piece. I, I'm really... Um, I'm really pleased with it. When I first got wind of this about a week ago, I thought to myself, it's a really good piece of business for the club. Um, you know, it's not on an absurd amount of money. Um, it's um, it, it's a signing that look, there's no doubt. Like he, he's going to be um, he's going to be a backup choice. He's going to be somebody who is going to push um, whoever Minnesota bring in. Um, and I couldn't think of a better person to come in and push really. And, and this is why. And I'm not blowing smoke anywhere here. This, this is, I think this is a really legitimate signing for Minnesota. Um, I was, I was a, a really big fan of Juan Agudillo when he first burst onto the scene in 2011 when he was uh, with the academy at New York Red Bulls, or 2010 rather. Um, and I saw this um, bright, energetic, um, very technically gifted 17-year-old kid, 18-year-old kid. And... Um, and this is the reason why I think it's a good signing, Steve. Um, that was supposed to be, uh, that season with the Red Bulls and, and moving into the next couple of years was supposed to be the period where he really started to blossom. And he did, but then he was supposed to go on to bigger and, and better things. 
and it never really worked out for him. He went to Stoke City, who were in the Premier League at the time, but had issues with the work permit. So he had to go out on loan in the Eredivisie in the Dutch top flight, and he did okay. Um, and then he ended up back in Major League Soccer with, with New England for several years and, and did well, spent a lot of time playing out wide, so he can play as a, a wide player as well, but, but I think he's, he's more suited as a centre-forwards. Um, and um, he, he's not a perennial goal scorer. He's not a major goal-scoring threat, but that doesn't mean he won't score goals. Um, the reason why I think it's a good signing, Steve, is because his career, in, in my opinion, didn't quite pan out the way that many of us, maybe even he thought it would, because of of him bursting onto the scene so young. Many thought that he would go on and have 100 caps for the national team. I think he's got something like 25, which isn't bad, but it's not to the level that we thought he would get to. Um, he's he's done well at New England. He did uh, well in, in a, a very difficult spell at Inter Miami, um, which, look, I think everybody can say... Um, it wasn't the expansion year that anybody was expecting. It never is really in an expansion year, is it? Um, regardless of if there's a global pandemic or not. Um, I think at the age of 28, he's going to come to Minnesota United knowing that this is such an important time for his career, in his career, because if he's ever going to get considered for the national team again, he has to play and he has to play consistently. So he's going to be pushing whoever Minnesota United bring in for that starting um, for that starting role, I wonder, Steve, is he coming here with a chip on his shoulder? I wonder, is he thinking to himself, "Do I have something to prove here?" Not only perhaps to himself, but to others that have doubted him, but to also others that have believed in him for a long time. Because, as I said, it didn't quite work out the way many thought it would. So, those are all the reasons why I think he's a really good good addition for the club. Um, Look, I, it's no secret. Um, I think just about everybody who, who is um, involved in this part of the club um, has, has said that they are looking at bringing in a big centre forwards. Um, those negotiations are ongoing as we speak. Um, they are looking at bringing reinforcements. Agudelo, Juan Agudelo, by the time the season starts, Steve, Juan Agudelo and Foster Langstorff will not be the only centre forwards on the roster for Minnesota United. So if you look at it from that point of view, it's a good depth piece. And a really smart signing for Minnesota United, in my opinion. I think it's something like 49 goals in just over 200 games for, for Agadella, which isn't outstanding. But when, when you go back and look at it from a statistical point of view, a lot of those appearances, he wasn't starting. He was coming off the bench and scoring goals. Um, and as I said, I, I don't expect him to, to come in and score 20 goals. I expect him to perhaps chip in with, with five or six goals here or there. You know, the last couple of years um, at the Revolution... I think he went four or five years in a row scoring seven goals plus. That's fine. That's absolutely perfect for what Minnesota United need from Juan Agudelo. You know, coming off the bench and scoring the odd goal here or there and contributing that way. Um, having said that, he could come into the preseason camp and score a boatload of goals, really impress and start the opening game. Who knows? But I think long term, um, Agudelo will come in as, as um, a backup player who will provide some really, really good competition for those that will be viewed as the main centre-forwards ahead of it. Yeah, I would agree with everything you, you said there. It, it seems like, um, you know, again, his experience in different positions on, on the wing, um, as well as being a forward, again, as, as somebody who can slot into multiple positions is fantastic. We've seen the need for that. Um, you know, we're going to have another compressed schedule 
uh, with, uh, you know, international call-ups and things like that. So you always need guys who can come in there, um, you know, who can be available, who can play. Um, we also saw at the end of last season, even without a true, you know, center, center forward, so to speak, Minnesota United doing, doing just fine with sort of the interplay of Molino and Ludd and Reynoso and Ethan Finlay. Um, you add in another guy who can be a flexible player in that attacking midfield up to, you know, the, the center forward position. That's great. That's a great thing to have. And as you said, he shouldn't be the only, uh, he and Foster Langsdorf won't be the only options. Um, another option, uh, you know, n- not written in stone yet, but I think everybody is aware of Patrick Weah uh, and, and him, uh, you know, the, the possibility of him signing with Minnesota United. He's an interesting player, obviously a lineage of, um, of soccer in his, in his extended family with his uncle being George Weah. Um, what's maybe give us a little background on, on George Weah and sort of, and, you know, Timothy Weah, obviously also uh, a good, a good uh, young player uh, now with Leal, I think, is that right? Um, And the U S men's national team. Um, You know, again, I I don't know anything more than anybody else. We've got, uh, this is, this is, this is rumored and it's been written about. So, uh, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about what Patrick Weah can do. Again, he's 17. I don't necessarily expect you're going to see him as like the day one starter here, but it's 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 not. It seems like if it, if it goes through, it'll be a, a good homegrown signing. So, yeah. Look, I think it, it's obvious there's something in the works there, isn't there? But I think it's probably best, um, you know, not to comment on players that we haven't signed on the roster at the moment, Steve. Um, <laughs> but in terms of the Weir family, look, it's it's obviously um, it it it's a humongous name in global football. Um, and, and mainly because of George Weyer and, and the success that he had. He was uh, a humongous figure with AC Milan for, for so many years. Um, he had a wonderful success in England as well. It, it, he's, um, you know, the, the, there's all sorts of things that, that, that people don't know about George Weyer, um, the footballer and then the, the politician as well, and, and all the stuff that he's done um, throughout his career. I, I would encourage people to go, if, if you're unaware of George Weyer, I would say go and have a look on uh, you know on the internet somewhere and you'll find some wonderful information about him because he comes across as a spectacular human being. Um, I don't know anybody that's, that's interacted with him. Um, people who have had brief interactions with him have said you know great guy and all this kind of stuff, but I, I don't know him personally. Uh, maybe we'll get into a game at Allianz Field. Who knows? That'll be that'll be interesting when we can let people in the stadium. Um, but Tim Weyer, um has really blossomed over the course of the last couple of years. He came to, to attention really a couple of years ago, didn't he, when it became obvious that, that he could um, be eligible for the national team. Um, he, he played for the national team, will continue to play for, for the US national team as well moving forwards. Um, I think um, the move to, to Lille was a great move for him because he's playing consistently. Um, he, he was playing for, for Celtic for a little bit on loan. Um, and, and did well. But I think, um, let's be honest, he's playing at a better standard in, in Liga. Um, and, you know, Lille at the moment are, are, are top, of, top of the league. Um, it's been a long time since anybody has dislodged Paris Saint-Germain uh, and the likes of Marseille. Um, it, it's been a long time, Steve. So the fact that, that Lille are where they are um, says a lot. And, and it's very good to have an American involved in that. Um, but it's good to have somebody who could potentially be connected to Minnesota United <laughs> involved in that as well. So, um, look, the, the Weyer family are, um, I, I would argue, iconic in world football. Everybody knows the name. Um, and as I said, if you don't, I would suggest you go and have a look on the internet and, and have a look at George Weyer because he is, uh, 
allegedly he's a spectacular human being. And like I said, hopefully we can um, we can get him to, to the stadium at some stage should a, uh, a deal for young Patrick go through. Yeah, there's a, there's a robust Liberian community uh, here in the Twin Cities, um, which not, not a lot of people necessarily are aware of. But um, yeah, we'll leave further comment on Patrick Wea for, for a future uh, podcast at some point, uh, hopefully. Uh, let's mention, uh, I want to bring up DJ Taylor. I don't know a lot about DJ Taylor, uh, defender uh, signed recently from uh, North Carolina FC uh, of the USL. Um, he, he has good hair. <laughs> hair looked good in the in the fo- in in the photo uh, that came along with him. Uh, so you know, <laughs> what, what can you give us any insight into DJ Taylor? It's just that he's a modern day fullback. Um, he's comfortable with both feet, to my knowledge as well. Um, he's quick. He's strong. He's aggressive. Um, the, the question will be: Is can he do it at this level? You know, he's obviously done it very well at, at USL for many years. I think he had a little spell abroad in Spain as well in the lower leagues in Spain for some time. Um, so this will be the biggest stage that he's played at, Steve. So this is really his opportunity to show if he can play at this level. So, um, you know, I, I'm sure we'll see plenty of him in preseason. Um, it's his chance to show the coaching staff that he can do it at this level. So um, we'll wait and see. But uh, again, a good depth piece for Minnesota United in, in, in what is going to be, as you said earlier on, a very congested season. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about kits. Uh, first, this. When injury takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers with convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team. You're always close to the care you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. All right, let's talk about the river kit. I am wearing the river kit right now. Um, it's it, it is a subtle pattern, um, it, you know, so obviously it looks like just a blue kit, sort of sort of a training top on a first blush, but there is a very nice uh, embossed sort of wavy pattern, which it's on a couple other kits or sort of a similar idea. I believe um, Nashville has like an N uh, that's embossed and Inter-Miami has some palms that are embossed into it. Um, it, it is, I've actually come around um, you know, as somebody like when I, when we got the drift kit and it was, it was white, but it had this nice sort of texture on it. Uh, I've sort of come around on this, like maybe we should just have simpler kits a little bit. Um, you know, if we're not going to have each team designing their own kit in some way that can be sort of unique, but we're sort of following these sort of Adidas uh, guidelines um, that are sort of, they want to make everything sort of standard across teams. Keep it simple you know, hit them on the nice little touches. It says, you know, Forever United on the neck tape. I've seen a couple other kits that look nice uh, that have sort of different little tags or things, you know, calling out different elements of the team. Maybe, maybe just maybe that's the way to go. You know, this is, it's got the three stripes on the, on, on the shoulders. Uh, you know, it's, it's very clean. I mean, I hate to use the word clean, but it's, it's simple. It seems very wearable, you know, like you could just put you can throw a hoodie over this. It's not going to like, you know, I have the Nigerian kit, which I dearly love. Um, you can't wear it with anything. Like anything is always like yelling out of your, like if you put a hoodie on and there's just a little triangle of it, it's just shouting at you. Um, this is a, this is a, a, a nice wearable kit. And maybe that's, maybe that's okay. Cal, what have been your impressions of the river kit so far? Yeah, I, I think simple is probably the best way to describe it really, Steve. I mean, I, I've no problem with it. I must admit, I'm, I'm not a humongous, um, you know, jersey lover. I'm not someone who will hand jerseys up or, or find certain things fascinating or whatever. But you know, this 
this jersey looks nice. It's great. And I think, um, look, it's not obviously it's not going to be the main kit. You know, Minnesota are still going to have the the wings kits that that you know, unfortunately fans only sort of a glimpse of last year. Um, so that that that'll be the the main one to look for. But I mean, the, the blue kit I think looks nice. Uh, as you said, there's obviously meaning behind it. Uh, if you're unaware of that meaning, have a look on the Minnesota United social channels and, and on the website. Um, you know, there's a, an article about it. Um, Look, I, I think it's good, Steve. I have no problem with it. I'm a fan of, of simple soccer jerseys. I think the more complex they are, um, sometimes... And look, to a certain degree, some complexities in a jersey can look pretty cool. But sometimes people go a little bit overboard, in my opinion. And um, I think uh, Adidas and um, the Minnesota United people that were involved in this one got it absolutely right. And, um, you know, it'll, it'll look good in the field. And I think that like it's it's a little hard to convey uh, in a way that's exciting outside of its its meaning. But black and blue, the Minnesota black and blue, is the name of the team store. It's a thing that you hear chanted uh, at games. We haven't really had a black and blue jersey in MLS up until this point. You know, there was sort of the the first jerseys were gray and blue. There was uh, a white and blue. The the wing kit is close, but it's sort of like dark gray. This is like a real, it's it's a real, our blue, Minnesota blue, and then the black. And blue and black is, it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good combo. And I sort of, I think that, um, you know, having talked to some of the people involved with stuff like that, that's a real point of trying to push that forward as we go, like to really keep that black and blue identity. So I think it's the start of over the next several years, having black and blue really tied into that identity. And I think that's, I think that's good because it's, it's an interesting and fun color combo. I, I would agree. Black and blue um, it, it is, it's almost becoming symbolic now with Minnesota United, isn't it? Um, it's also quite a nice nod, I think, Steve, back to the NASL. Um, days as well in terms of when Minnesota last played in, in black and blue as well, which um, which is always good. You know, we, we mustn't forget that history of the club as well, the, the NASL side of it. You know, it's um, um, it, it's an important part in, in the club history. And um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a good nod to, to that period as well, for sure. Um, let's talk about a couple other uh, kits. I'm not going to run down everything. I don't think everybody's released them. They're sort of coming out one at a time on uh, MLSsoccer.com. And also, you know, Last year, I think there was a runway show in New York. Obviously, we're not having that. Like nobody's having in-person kit launches like we've had before. So it's all—it's a little muted all over the place. But some teams took muted to an extreme. Have you seen the New England Revolution kit? It's just like a white. I mean, people talk about kits as being white T-shirts, but it's really like it's—it's it's got this fortress pat. I guess it's supposed to be a fortress pattern. It's like bricks. But just see, I'm sure it's going to look different in person. Seeing it online, it looks like a white tee that you took out and haven't washed that has lines still in it from being folded. It's, um, that's not a great look. Mm, no, no, I must have been my favorite one. I, I may get um, through a few stones thrown at me here, but my favorite one is the Atlanta United one, actually, because it looks very, very different to what they've done in the past. Sure. Um, and I may contradict myself here. Um, from what I said earlier on, but but the, the complexities of it, I quite enjoy because it doesn't seem too much, but it seems very different to what they've done in the past. So, uh, yeah, I like it a lot. Um, and uh, as I said, I'm sure that'll look uh, look good in the field as well, especially when Minnesota United beat them. 
There you go. You you rescued yourself with a, with a, <laughs> a little bit of slagging of of Atlanta United. Yeah, the Atlanta United one is interesting. There's been sort of an interesting discussion about it, following along, like looking at at comments from people because it seems like the the faithful, the Atlanta United faithful, were a little dismayed by this uh, shift to the the narrow red stripes. Um, and it's true. Like, I mean, I will say whatever I personally feel about Atlanta United, that first kit they had with the black and red stripes, that was, it was very AC Milan, obviously. Um, but I also always liked those AC Milan kits. And it was like, it, I mean, they came out of the gate so hot as a team that those kits very much identified with like, you know, what a good expansion side looked like. And there, it does make me question this thing of like, you always have to shift your kits like every two years, like no kit is ever going to be around for more than two years. Um, Sometimes I'm like, maybe you should be able to keep one, you know, like if there's one kit that you're like, this is our identifying kit, and then you can experiment with the other one rather than necessarily always having to abandon this kit that you liked. Or if there's a way, you know, again, with the sort of the jock tag stuff, like nowadays for authentics, there's all kinds of little doodads there's a thing on the collar there's a loon you know on the back collar of this jersey there's uh you know on some of them there i think on the rebs one there's like a, a the jock tag at, at, on the lower left corner is like references the fortress the fort which is their their you know their, their supporter section maybe there's a way to sort of keep the jerseys a little more consistent and then change some of that stuff a little more like play. Cause that, to me, that feels like something where if you were a supporter, if you were diehard for the team, you could, um, you would maybe buy that stuff because you want each year's sort of iteration of the little touches. Whereas if you're a regular, if you're a fan who's getting into it, you can buy a Jersey and not feel like it's doesn't look like what the team is wearing two years from now. Um, I don't know. It's sort of, there's sort of this weird catch 22 about, you know, in some ways, if you decide that you're going to keep jerseys and only change them when it's necessary, then you have to come up with a huge reason to change them. Right. That's sort of the NBA prior to, you know, now they have three jerseys and they're sort of a, a, a you know, secondary and a tertiary and the city jersey and they're sort of, they, they've embraced this model as well. But it used to be like, you were never going to change the jersey unless you rebranded the team, which sets an impossibly high bar if you just want to have like a different look, right? Mm-hmm. Like just for a little bit, but then sort of demanding that it change every two years. If you hit on something really good, like Atlanta United's first kit, it, like it's, it seems a pity that you have to just get rid of it for the sake of getting rid of it. Yeah, I think um, I was always a believer of, of sort of keeping the jersey, as I said earlier on, Steve, as, as simplistic as possible. Um, but I understand the need for new because clubs need to make revenue. I, I understand that. And that's certainly one of the better ways to do it. Um, I, I must have been, I was never, you know, the first in line to buy the new Aston Villa jersey when I was a kid growing up. You know, I had the one that I had and I had it for about 10 or 15 years. And then eventually <laughs> right. I would bought another one. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think I got it for Christmas or something, but I wouldn't have gone out and got it myself, you know. But uh, whilst we're talking of new gear, Steve, um, I'm very, very much enjoying the the new uh, jackets and the fleeces and hoodies and all the kind of stuff, the new polos and whatnot that have been made available uh, to us as staff. I'm, I'm assuming they're going to be made available to the public at some stage as well. Um, so I would, um, I, I would uh, recommend everybody uh, listening and, and watching to um, just have a look on the website, keep your eye on the website and, and all the usual places you get the gear from because this, Steve, and, and again, this is going to be awful for people listening to the audio version of this later on, but this is your problem. Um, go and find the video version on the club's YouTube channel. Um, I, I very much love this jacket. Uh, the new jacket that the club is releasing, uh, it's my favourite of the bunch. Even better 
than the original Allianz field jacket that we brought out in 2019, which is saying a lot because that was near perfection. But yeah. this one is fabulous. I really like it. Yeah, it's it looks good uh, for everybody listening. It's sort of like rainbow polka dots uh, with unicorns on it. No, I'm just kidding. It's, it's black. It's got white Adidas stripes. It's got a blue zipper, a very nice sort of powder blue sky blue zipper, which looks very nice, uh, very fetching on cow. It's a good contrast to the, the red hair. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I have not yet swung by the office to pick up my, my gear for the year yet, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. That Allianz field jacket is very good. There's been a lot of, I think, back to that uh, track jacket we had the first season, which I just pulled out. I just, it was going my stuff and i found that one i've been wearing it the last couple days uh which is nice there's that hoodie with the sort of gray hoodie that has the high zip that goes all, all the way yeah. up with the, the the thumb holes uh that one from a couple years ago and then the allianz field jacket so um yeah also the allianz field jacket there's there's going to be uh, i believe a promotion coming up uh for for you can still get it and if you get it uh, they'll donate one also to, uh, you know, for sort of homeless uh, clothing and sort of helping, helping out people who need, uh, you know, uh, warm clothes and things like that. So that's the thing to look out for. It's going to be coming out, coming up uh, in the future. Um, last one I want to talk about, the Galaxies one this year is quite good, uh, which is sort of their throwback to uh, the green and black. I don't know if that's exactly what the colors are, but it's sort of this interesting between green and blue and black. Um, a good, a really good, a really good throwback kit. And then the Austin FC one, the black and green Austin FC one looks awesome. Um, I think that's going to look really great on the on the field. And I'm kind of tempted to maybe get that one because it looks cool, but I don't know if I can have another team's jersey. Is that okay? I don't know. Well, I wouldn't have a problem with it, but I'm not sure about the higher-ups here, mate. That, that seems to be a personal problem there. Um, I, I, I love the Galaxy's new jersey, slash old jersey, whatever we're calling it. Um, more importantly, Steve, I, I love the message behind the, the video, behind the, the actual release, yep. um, where they first sort of said, this is what we're doing. We're going back to, to what we used to have. Um, if you haven't seen it, you know, again, I, I recommend you go on and, and find the video somewhere on the Galaxy's YouTube page or on Twitter or somewhere. But the message behind it is just so important at the moment in, in terms of um, the, the, the wording behind it is eternal love. Um, and it, it is just a video that um, it, it's so inspiring. It's such a nice thing to see in, in these times that we're living at the moment. Um, it, it's full of um, equality. Um, it, it's full of all, all the nice things that make you feel warm and fuzzy inside if you're a good human being, you know, and um, it, it, it was absolutely full of culture as well, full of culture. And, and I love um, that, that feel, that cultural Los Angeles feel about the video as well. It, it just absolutely reeked of everything Los Angeles. And I loved it, Steve. It was one of the best um, videos that I've seen that have gone out in terms of just releasing a jersey, you know, and, and that, that, that says a lot because I know our, our production crew do a magnificent job of, of putting stuff out. But I, this video for me, um, it was more than just a video saying, hey, here's our new kit. This, this was a video that said, look, we're the LA Galaxy. This is what we do. This is who we are. This is our culture. Everybody's welcome. Um, and and I, I, nearly, I nearly teared up watching it, Steve. It was such a remarkable video. And so um, it was so much needed in, in a world that, that right now continues to, to recover from what's been a torrid period. So um, I, I recommend, uh, again, for those of you that haven't seen it, you've got to go and watch it. It's, it's magnificent. 
Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure whoever has sort of my job at the LA Galaxy is glad to hear you saying that. Like that, the writing was good. This is always what I want. Is, is <laughs> hearing people tear up at, at at writing is always good for me. Uh, Cal, last thing I want to mention, uh, just for people who don't know, a uh, preseason is is coming up. We're we're preparing to release a full preseason schedule. I believe later this week, maybe early next week. Um, one game has been announced so far. It's up on MLSsoccer.com, which is April third versus FC Cincinnati in Orlando. Um, so that's sort of the window of time we're looking at, you know, games being played in Florida, et cetera. Um, you know, there's going to be plenty of time for us to talk about preseason and how the team is shaping up, but like just um, right now, what are you excited to see, you know, as, as the team gets started again? I mean, it's one of the, who knows, A, who knows what we're actually going to get to see because we know, you know, like we don't know how if we'll be able to go to training. We don't know, you know, there's so much that we don't know about it, but imagine that we're leading into a regular ish, preseason where we're going to see players you know just a couple high level points about like what you're looking forward to seeing again well I think right now Steve I'm just uh, full of curiosity I mean as most people would be at this stage of, of preseason when the players first start to arrive I think everybody's eager to see the new bodies regardless if they're going to be starting or not for Minnesota United when the season does start on April 17th um, I think like everyone, Steve, just, just wanting to see the team play. I don't suspect the, the style will change too much from uh, the last sort of three or four months that we, we saw once Reynoso came into the fold. Um, I, I'm just intrigued to see um, from a, an individual point of view who, who is starting. You know, the, it's, it's obvious the, the, the club have got some work to do in terms of bringing bodies in. Um, they are doing that work as we speak. There are active negotiations going on with... Um, with a couple of players, um, and uh, I, I think you know by the time the season rolls around, we'll have a good idea of, of who the starting eleven will be. Um, and now it's just up to the coaching staff to see what they what they um, can see, and, and it's up to them to evaluate who fits the system best. Um, the thing is now, Steve, as you mentioned, we, we just don't know how much we're going to see us as employees of the club, or you, um, a fan at home as well. We, we don't know what we're going to see. We, we don't know um, if games are going to be streamed. We, we have no idea. There's, there's lots of irregularities at the moment in terms of travelling and, and restrictions, and um, which, which is all um, for the best. Let's be honest. Again, the one thing we've got to remember out of anything here is that safety must remain paramount for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, we, we just don't know, do we? We don't know what, what we're going to be able to see at the moment. So um, I would encourage people to hang tight. <laughs> um, there's going to be lots of news coming your way over the course of the next couple of weeks in terms of you know, game announcements, signings, uh, preseason schedule. Um, it, it's going to. There's going to be an element of normality now, Steve, because all of this stuff is is going to be readily available over the course of the next few weeks. And um, I think everybody's looking forward to that. Um, just just having something normal again uh, and seeing. You know, we haven't even seen the schedule yet. We have no idea. We keep talking about April 17th. We know that's the first game of the season. We have no idea. Who Minnesota are going to play? We have no idea who anybody's going to play at the moment. So that that is at the the hands of people at at Major League Soccer HQ in New York City. So we don't know. Um, There's very little we can educate with at the moment. So uh, I would urge everybody to to hang tight. Um, Information is coming and um, we are as eager as you are for sure. Yeah, I think that um, one of the things that I really like in preseason, Cal, is, is, you know, as you start to see – 
there's a bunch of players we've talked about a, a couple of acquisitions who, who we think of as sort of depth pieces um, in, in a perfect world. Juan Agudelo will be depth. Um, you know, DJ Taylor will be depth. Uh, there's a bunch of rookies, Justin McMaster, Nabi Kibanguchi, you know, all these guys who come in, there's often like at least one guy who just impresses, you know, who just stands out, who looks great. You think about Hassani Dotson being a second round pick and then just, you know, elbowing his way to the to the front of the line i believe he was the first rookie to get on the field actually the season that season um because he was there for the last couple minutes of the first game so you know like things like that are really great stories and i think in the in the larger picture what's nice about that now and is different than it had been for the first couple years in 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 for minnesota united and mls is that there is sort of like a team, like this is the team. This is, you know, we don't have, you know, we don't have the entire starting 11, but you kind of know who's got the jobs now and you kind of know how they wanted those jobs to be done. So the new guys impressing, it's not like, well, I hope somebody's good so that they can play because we don't have anybody in this spot, which is honestly the way it was the first, you know, couple of years. Um, now it's like, you're gonna have to fight tooth and nail to get into one of those spots because there are guys who have put in the work to earn those places and the team has an identity. Um, and that's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a fun spot to be in. And obviously things can go wrong. The seasons we've seen, we've talked about this every year and I'm sure we're going to come around to it again when we start previewing, like who's the one team that you expect to be good. Who's terrible. Who's the team that you think is going to be terrible. Who's good. This can happen any season. Nothing is, is, is preordained to be successful, but that feel of like, hey, a new guy could do something exciting, but if he does it, it's going to be because he's he's fought to earn it away from somebody who has established himself. That, that's a that's a fun dynamic, I think, for a team to have. In terms of individual, Steve, I'm obviously right now looking forward to seeing what Will Trapp can offer. Will Trapp is is a seasoned veteran in Major League Soccer uh, up until recently, and I'm sure if he does well for Minnesota, he will continue to be a U.S. international. Perfect signing for me. Long term Ozzy Alonso replacement. I know Ozzy Alonso. Um, it, it seems as though he's going to be around. Um, we're not entirely sure yet, are we? But, but it seems as though he's going to be around. Um, but at the age of 35, I mean, even if he doesn't sign at Minnesota, you would um, you would expect him to go somewhere and, and play a bit part. And I, I said that with all due respect to Ozzy Alonso, but at 35 in that role, it's very difficult to expect 34 games plus, whereas Will Trapp at 28, 29 will come in and do exactly that. Yeah. But the, the biggest um, the biggest question mark I have, Stephen, it's a positive question mark because there's a good answer either way. On April 17th, who's the starting goalkeeper for Minnesota United? Because they've got two very, very able individuals. Dane St. Clair came in last year and obviously proved that he can play at this level. Um, I'm not saying he's perfect. He's got plenty to work on and he'll know that as well. Um, he's still very raw as a goalkeeper, but he proves that he can play at this level. Yeah, Tyler Miller has has played at this level for a couple of years now with with LAFC, obviously prior to coming to Minnesota, and and, and again proved that he's an MLS goalkeeper. So I wonder over the course of the next couple of weeks, what do we see? We'll, we'll, we'll undoubtedly we'll see both of them playing in goal, and we'll see both of them starting so many games uh, because at some stage, Adrian Heath has got a decision to make. I just wonder at at some stage. Are the coaching staff and those that make these decisions, are they comfortable doing a trade somewhere, I wonder? You know, I'm not saying anything. I have no prior knowledge to anything here. This is me purely speculating. I wonder if, if a trade is on the cards for, for one of them. And, and I'd say this with all due respect, you would assume if one of them was to be traded, it would probably be, be Tyler Miller. Um, because I think long-term, um, if St. Clair continues to ride the, the momentum that he's on, you would assume at some stage in the next three or four years, he, he would probably be destined for Europe. 
Mm-hmm. Um, now, I know that's that's a big statement that may be outlandish to some people, considering he's only played, what, 12 professional games uh, <laughs> in Major League Soccer, but um, that, that seems to be the feeling that I've got about St. Clair. Um, so I wonder, if he continues to impress, is there an opportunity there for the club to, to make some money on somebody who I think is already... Um, a very good starting MLS goalkeeper. I wonder, I don't know, I'm speculating, but but that's where I'm going to be keeping my eye over the course of the next few weeks. The 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 temptation to speculate is it's so tantalizing and, and just even hearing you think about things out loud has me excited uh, and looking forward to a season when we can actually talk about what's happening and 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 what's going well and what's not going well and what needs to happen and possible trades that stuff's all very fun and after a break of a couple uh, months here it's 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 good to be getting back into it i'm looking forward to uh talking about it more with you cal thanks everyone for joining us for the 132nd sound of the loons podcast presented by alina health orthopedics Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal at CalWilliams.com. You can follow me at Steve Venturis. Apologies, as always, to Richard Wagner. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you. People can like you exactly as you are.